Let's yeah. chat about your hair really quick, Michael. Okay, because yes, as I was doing my um, stalking, <laughs> yes. you didn't used to have luscious curls like that. So I did not used story? to have luscious curls. Well, I went to the luscious curls store. Okay. And I, I need to go to the luscious I curls store. I bought some. Are you rich? Are you famous? What have you been on? I don't really recognize you, and neither does my mom. Can you laugh? Can you cry on command? I mean, you said you were an actor, man. Let's get back to playing in the shadows. Dude. I'm just acting like an actor. Um, nah, this was a great, um, this was a great life lesson for me. Okay. Um, I, well, first of all, the color. Uh, I went gray, white, whatever this is, salt and pepper, I don't it's know. It's like platinum, platinum blonde. People pay a lot of money for that. People, I, okay, good. I'm happy for them. Because um, I, this is natural. The color is natural. Oh, it is. Okay. And, and I went this color like in my 20s, like in my early 20s. Oh, okay. So I spent a million years uh, dyeing my hair back to my previous okay. original color, which was sort of dark. dark it was very dark brown. I'm Italian. You're Italian, right? Okay. I'm yeah. Italian. Which from, is so interesting. It is. You're like, I don't know. I just like look looking at you with like your light eyes and yeah. like now you're light hair, but. Well, because my my father is from Northern Italy and my mother's from Southern Italy, so there's a like Northern Italians generally have fair skin and yeah. they're a lot of blondes okay. and they have blue and green eyes. Oh, my mother, you know, had very dark hair and you know and dark eyes and that whole thing. So I got a mixture of both. So, so when my hair and I was an actor like my whole life since I was a kid. You are an actor. I am you an actor. What you are. I, I, <laughs> I have always been mm -hmm. an actor. Right, and so when my hair went this color, for a million years I was dying it because everybody said, oh, you have to, you, you can't you can't walk around with white hair. You will never get a job. Oh. You will never get cast. We won't be able to submit you. And the moral of the story is that uh, now I work constantly nonstop. Yeah. Because of it, people, mm -hmm. I, I literally just booked a job uh, on, on New Year's Eve. It was fascinating. And and when they called me up to tell me that I booked the job, they said, oh, my God, we absolutely love your hair. And I don't care how I get a job, but, it, but if it's because of my hair, great. I am an open book. Yes. I knew that from the minute we started talking. That's that <laughs> one of the first things he said. I was like, oh, I need to get him on the podcast because you were very just like open about your journey. Did I say something horrible and disgusting, um, though? No. Okay. Oh, yeah, I didn't say something like no. offensive. Uh -uh. Okay. I'm, I'm often accused of saying offensive things because I have no filter. That's okay. it, but that's good. No, yeah. That's just being, you know, being blood. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Um, Again, I'm from the Bronx. So, you know. Yeah. yeah you, you, there's, you know, you just have to like be be who you are. Yeah. If you're from the Bronx, especially. So let's yeah. dive into that, Michael. Okay, Can you yeah. kind of tell us your story of how you got to where we are today in terms of your acting journey and everything? How I got here. I drove here today. Okay, um, cool. Yeah. I flew here, so. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, I can tell you. Uh, because interestingly, I don't know how I got here, meaning um, I can tell you from the very first, the very first memory I have really uh, of about myself was that I wanted to be an actor. Like from the very, really? from the time I was, I, I, literally, it, it, I, so I guess my point is that I, it, it's somehow in my DNA. Well, nobody in my family is an actor. I don't come from a line of actors or performers or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but some, you know, if if we believe in reincarnation, maybe I was something in, this, in yeah. another life. But I literally was born with this desire. I don't ever remember feeling any other way. 
from the very beginning. And I had a very supportive mother who, uh, who sent me to, um, uh, who paid for me to go to dance class okay. and take voice lessons because I started in musical theater cool. um, and guitar lessons and piano lessons and acting lessons and all this junk. So, I mean, this poor woman just spent, she was a single mother yeah. and she spent just probably tons and tons, like thousands so of dollars, stuff. like, you know, sending me to all this stuff, but she never, she never seemed to have a problem with it. She always did it because I always wanted to do it again from the very beginning. So, so then I, I don't remember how I pieced this together as either, but I, I know like in back in New York City, they had a, a magazine. A magazine is uh, for you kids out there. It's paper and it's look like it looks like a book, but it comes out once a month. We have magazines right here. We do. Uh, it's a magazine like this and it's called Backstage. Now I, now Backstage only exists online. Mm -hmm. But back in the day in New York City, at least there was a, a, ma a newspaper came out once a week on Thursdays, it was called Backstage, and you would look through wow. it in, uh, for auditions. And so somehow, I don't know how that information got into my head, but it did. And so I started, I, my mother, again, paid for headshots, wow. and you know, you, you put a lot of fake bullshit on your resume, yeah. you create a fake resume, mm -hmm. you know, about all the amazing things that I did when I was like eight, I don't know. And, uh, and you start to, and you, back, again, back in the day, you had a headshot and a resume and you had a big manila envelope and sometimes, and you had to put cardboard in it so that it wouldn't, like, they wouldn't bend it. So, and then you put stamps on it, actual stamps, put it in the mailbox, crazy. Um, so you used to do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so you'd submit yourself for auditions and I was doing that as a kid. And somehow I got a job, my first real professional job I was very young and I was uh it was it was as a singer I'd done I I'd started getting work like in theater doing like you know little productions here and there yeah. around New York City and stuff like that but the first real job that I like paid money and it was a real thing I was a very young kid and it was as a singer um and I um and that's where I met uh, uh, this girl who's still to this day, 500 years later, still my best friend in the whole world. So we met when we were kids. Oh, cool. uh, she's an actress. Her name is Trini Alvarado. And then her, so we were both like child actors. Yeah. And her career took off like boom. And then um, many of you out there, if you look up Trini Alvarado, you will know who she is. You'll, you have seen her movies. Did you watch The Staircase on HBO? You did? Yeah. You saw the staircase, yeah. that amazing miniseries. Yeah. So Trini, my friend Trini, was the um, was um, uh, the lead guy who's was played by Colin Firth. Colin Firth is that his name? The, the murderer. Oh, okay. I don't know his name in real okay, life. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Right. So Trini played his ex-wife, the kooky ex-wife. Okay. So she's this. Uh, oh, yes. yeah. She's good. That. Yeah, mm -hmm. she's great. Yeah. Um, she, that yeah, she was, was a role. A, she was a total weirdo in that thing. Yeah. She anyway, was. so so she and I were uh, worked together as kids, and we were best friends. And then she got a movie role, and then she was able to get me into this movie as well. And that's how I got into um, the Screen Actors Guild again nine million years ago. Okay, so you were so, a child when you entered SAG. I was a child, child, child. Okay. Like I will. This is how long ago it was. I will tell you because I remember this. This, this I remember my mother complaining about, um, because it was $200, the initiation fee. For SAG. For SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, which now is like, you know, 3, I think it's $4 million, dollars. right? Something like 3, that. 3,000. 3,000, right, mm -hmm. yeah, 3,000. Damn, sorry. Um, 
so yeah, but that's how that's how young I was. And it was 200 bucks. And I remember wow. my mother screaming because, ah, you know. And also, then I got into AFTRA, which was a separate union at the time. Right. The okay. American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. Um, so you had to, so there was an, an initiation fee for that one as well. And then of course there's also Actors Equity, which was the stage is right. the stage union. So I was a member of all three of those. Okay. Yeah. Cool. What was the difference between after and SAG then? Was after just voiceover stuff or? No, after was uh, television and radio. Oh. SAG okay. was just movies. movies. Was interesting. Okay. Yeah. And because then at one point I got onto a soap opera. Back in the day okay. we had soap operas on television. Um, I believe some soap operas still exist. They do. Um, General Hospital is one General that Hospital. a lot of us actors, like especially during um, the strike, because yes. soaps were the only thing happening. I think I auditioned like ten times for Got General it. Hospital. Got <laughs> it. I, and I also think The Bold and the Beautiful yes. uh, is still on. Mm -hmm. So I was on a I was on a soap opera on NBC again nine hundred years ago. You know when televisions were this big and they were like black and white. I don't know. Um, called Another World. And so that's how, and so then I had to join AFTRA, which was the TV union uh, back in the day. Okay. So to answer your question, how I got here was, I don't know. Right. I literally just opened my eyes one day as a toddler and said, that's what I want to do. And I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. And everything kind of aligned for you. Yeah. Everything just um, sort of like came together. I feel like I've been very lucky. You guys should check out your IMDb, by the way, to see all the stuff you've done, because it's crazy. It does go back to, like, the 80s. It and does. And you can just see consistent, yes. especially in television. Yeah. That's where it seems like you've really um, made waves. But So I'm curious, did you go to college at all for acting, or did you just... I didn't. I went okay, to, uh, in high school, I was, I was since I grew up in New York City, I went to um, uh, performing arts oh, high cool. school. Was it LaGuardia? Yeah. Oh, it was? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Timothy Chalamet. It was, well, obviously it was way before that. Mm -hmm. And yes, it used to be called, uh, there were two schools. There was uh, the High School of Music and Art and uh, Performing Arts. Performing Arts was for um, uh, actors and dancers. Music and Art was for uh, singers, instrumentalists, and actual artists like fine art. Okay. Uh, and so I believe right after I graduated high school, both of those schools merged together and became LaGuardia. Okay, cool. Yes. That's a really good shown. school, though. A lot of, like, Al Pacino really went yeah. there. I mean, like, we could go on. Yeah. Millions of okay, cool. actors came out of uh, both of those schools. Yeah. Which is... So you were working. So I didn't go York. to college. I, as right. soon as I, because I was already working as an actor. Yeah, you like, didn't. I don't know, yeah. college, another four Yeah, yeah. So I just ended up, yeah. When I, I finished high school and I just went out into the world. How long were you in New York for before coming to L.A.? How long were you working as an actor there? I think I came out to Los Angeles when I was, I was in my 20s, okay. for sure. Um, but for many, many, because New Yorkers will understand this, you don't ever give up your apartment. <laughs> so for many, I came out here in my 20s, but I kept my New York apartment. So Did and you a good was, deal or something? Or I, it was rent the... controlled. Okay, okay. I had a rent controlled apartment in New York City, which, you know, you you literally don't give up. You know, you stand in front of your, your building with a, with a machine gun and anybody who comes near you to try to take your apartment, you, you just kill them. Um, we, I shouldn't say that on a podcast. I, no. We'll add do some that. funky editing there. <laughs> So anyway, so I kept the apartment. Okay. So I was, uh, even though I was living in Los Angeles, I was constantly going back because I couldn't sublet it because it was rent controlled. Oh, gee. That's so yeah. Hi. Yeah. I was stupid. 
Um, so I so I was constantly going back and forth from LA to New York okay. so that I could make an appearance in New York. I'm like, oh, I live here. Were you coming yeah. to LA for jobs or just for fun or both? No, no, for yeah, to oh, okay, to so you book and just fly. Yeah, and... well, I mean, my, I came out here to live for a couple of reasons. One, because there was you know there was just more work, I mean, yeah, the television work specifically, and also because I uh, even though I grew up in New York City, I truly hate winter. We talked about this. Yeah, I truly hate winter. I hate it. Mm -hmm. Like today, it's January second, and it's in the sixties, and I'm freezing. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not joking. Like if it goes below eighty-two degrees, I'm cold. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm done with yeah. this. I'm going to Los Angeles, and I really wish the the film and TV industry were in you know something like I don't know Brazil, because <laughs> I would have moved to Brazil, yeah. and I would have learned Portuguese, and I would have been warm all the mm -hmm. time. So that's, uh, yeah. So, so for all those years, I was going back and forth okay. from New York to LA, New York to LA. And then finally, I think it was 2016, 2016, I finally was like, you know what? I'm an idiot. Why am I doing this? What? What? You're paying all that rent. Oh my God. Yeah. And so finally I was like, you know what? I'm living in LA. I live in LA. I'm a Los Angelino now. It's been like 20 whatever years. I'm going to stay in Los Angeles. So I finally got rid of that apartment and I miss New York, but but I'm happy here. I like yeah. LA. Yeah, and the weather. Yeah. It's Do you like beautiful. LA? I You're... love LA. Yeah. I. Mm, there are like I wouldn't be here if the film industry wasn't here. I'll say that. Not if LA. If it was not here. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't right. be in LA. Of course, no. I would be those... somewhere warm for yes. sure, but not LA. Exactly. I don't love. Uh, it's like too crowded here. You know how it is. It takes forever to get places. I like the people here, and I like that the industry is here. But that's about yes. it. Got it. It icks me out. Um, right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, okay, so what is, um, since you've been acting for so long, and, yes. like, acting is very inconsistent, yeah. how have you been able to, like, stay afloat in the midst of that? Did you ever have to get, like, a normal day job, or, like, what, what has kind of the realities of it been like for you? I have to say, I have to admit, I have been, um, I have been very lucky. Okay. So, ge generally, I have been able to make a living as an actor. I mean, now, I mean, for the last, you know, 10 or maybe even 20 years now, I've made my living solely wow. as an actor. Mm -hmm. Before that, I think, yeah, I definitely had some crazy jobs. I, um, I worked for a phone sex company for a okay. while. We can talk about that, right? Yeah. Um, this was back in the day before, okay. you know, before all the, like, apps and stuff like yeah. that, where if you wanted phone sex you had to like actually pick up a phone i don't know if you know what those are we can show mm -hmm. put in a I'll picture insert, yeah. connor if you could insert an image insert a you? picture of a Thank phone and, and dialing mm -hmm. like that so yeah, but and people thought that they were calling other people other right. real people as well okay but really it was just a bunch of actors sitting in an office space oh my gosh and we'd be like oh yeah Oh yeah! Oh my God! Oh babe! Yeah. You know, for That's like eight hours so a day. Funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you would go to like a corporate office. I went to you. It was an office building. Oh my God! You know, That's and so funny. And uh, um, in fact, I remember one. I worked for a few of those. Because um, they were very. I mean, they were very uh, popular at the time. Yeah, like yeah. these companies were making so much money because you know we were spending some people was three four dollars a minute. On, on, on the phone, oh, okay. and my job was was uh, to keep people on the line. Three or four dollars a minute, something like that. They were absolutely, yeah, they especially were, back then. They were absolutely crazy, insane prices, and so 
you know, so I, I'm guessing most people would, would just want to like get on there and pardon the expression yeah. and just get off like real quick, right? right? Yeah. But my job was to keep them on, like to, oh, you know, to like, gosh, you know, okay. edge them for a while yes. and like, just keep it going, keep it going. So, you know, <laughs> as you're like backing up the timer. Um, That's so funny. So yeah. Um, so I did that. So that was a job that I had for a okay. while, a couple of, and then I, I also worked for a matchmaking company once Okay. where I'd sit there and I would go through again, look this up, Connor, but, but look up a Rolodex and see what a Rolodex looks like. And you know, you'd go through the cards and you'd say, Oh, this, I can match this person with this person. Um, I did that for a while. But to answer your question, yeah. in general, I have been okay. really lucky. I've been able to sort of, I, some years are terrible. Yes. And some years have been great. Right. And when you have great years, you save your money so that when everything is terrible, you can live and eat food, um, which I like to do. Yeah. Um, but but pretty, pretty consistently, I've been able to like work as an yeah. actor. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, Fun day job ideas, guys. If you need an actor day job, phone sex company or matchmaking. I don't know if, if phone sex even is a thing anymore. It must be. Probably not. I don't know, but Somewhere. probably like AI and stuff these days. I don't know. They might. Um, oh, I do social media management and I had a company reach out to me like two weeks ago for AI porn. They wow. wanted me to run their um, like social media for their AI porn account. And I was what in the world? Anyway. This is one it's of those things in the SAG contract now. We can talk about this or mm -hmm. not. I don't know. But in the SAG contract now, so so let's say, uh, Sophie, you have it in your contract that you don't want to do nudity, right? Mm -hmm. You're not going to do nudity. You're going to take this part, but you're not going to do any of the nudity. They're going to be like, okay, we're just going to make Sophie nude in with AI. AI. So Sophie's going to be running around naked on, cam on, on the film. Oh, that's something they can do? Yeah, the they SAG can contract? do that now. Yeah, hi. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. Um, and Sophie can't say anything about it. Do they have to pay you at least? No, that's oh, the point okay. of AI. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, you're getting paid wild. to do the role. Um, but yeah. Okay. Is that something we can talk about? Do you mind chatting a little bit about some changes you've seen in SAG over the years? I don't mind talking about that at all. Okay. Um, I, again, because I've been in the union for so long, in yeah, all the unions really for have. so long, and I grew up in a in a, in a super liberal, progressive, Democrat family, all, all people very politically active and stuff. So we super pro-union, like yeah. pro-union. Um, and if you worked and, uh, you know, um, you did non-union work, you were a scab and all this stuff and it was ugly. Um, but I have seen, I have seen the SAG especially, but all of them, equity as well, just sort of whittle away at all this stuff over the last 20, 30 years to the point where now it's, uh, I think we were also talking about this mm -hmm. the other day. I'm not, I'm not sure if I would tell anybody to join the union if they were eligible, if they could do it. I don't know if it's beneficial anymore um, because they've taken so much away. And at this point, especially after this last contract, I feel like SAG especially has no, has no bargaining power anymore. I think, I think it's done. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few years. You know, this contract is up in another two and a half years. Yeah. Um, but at this point, I can't. I can't imagine the studios being being willing to come sit down at the table with us at all because we have no power anymore. Yeah. This is just my personal opinion. Yeah. No, that's so interesting. <laughs> and thank you for um, yeah being so course. open about that. Um, have you heard anything? I was on set with a makeup artist the other day who's in IATSE. She's in the makeup union. Yeah. She was telling me they're talking about potentially striking. Yeah. 
Like summer, IOTC. So yeah. it could be another yeah. thing, which is crazy. And what she was saying is so true that, like, I guess because they're giving the actors more money, they were trying to, like, take away from oh, other right. departments in a sense. So they're <laughs> yeah, trying sure, not to give the, yeah, yeah, the makeup right. departments and stuff like that. It's like these studios. I mean, crazy. you're all going to, you're going to have, like, you know, full fledged, like, real serious projects, you know, television shows where they're going to be like, oh, you know, come to set makeup and hair ready. What? That does happen sometimes, even to, like with like non-union commercials. Well, yeah, that. Like, you, yeah, right, because it's non-union, and again, they have no bargaining That's power. True, but yeah. now that SAG, I, in my right. opinion, has no bargaining power, they're going to do anything they can yeah. to keep as much money as they can. Of course, yeah. yeah. Oh, bring your own lunch. <laughs> I know, craziness. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, it sure, I'm going to do that. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. Uh, but I, I mean, part of me thinks I hope IATSE does go on strike. I think it's important. Yeah, to get what they... You know, need. it's a bummer yeah. to be out of work. I, I understand. I understand why people wanted to go back to work. I wanted to go back to work. But, but you know, sometimes you just have to bite the bullet, as they say. Yeah. Yeah, and it's important to do it now to get those changes before we keep putting up with the BS. You know what I mean? Nothing changes if nothing changes. If you have to strike to get what you want. I, abso I absolutely agree. Um, and I, that's why I voted no on this contract. Uh, because you know what, if we had to strike for another two, three months, okay, we'll do it. Be you know, in order to get what we should have gotten, which we did not get. What's the biggest thing you wanted to see in the contract that was not there? You know, people were really upset about the AI stuff, and I yeah. absolutely was upset about the AI stuff. I'm more upset about the residual stuff. Mm. To the best of my understanding, the residuals now work something like this with streaming services. You do a show, let's say it's on Netflix. Within the first two months of that show being on the platform, you, in order for you to get residuals, the show has to have a 90% viewership, which means that 90% of the people who subscribe to Netflix have to watch that show within the first two months in order for you to get residuals, which is absolutely, seems absolutely insane to me. It's like nearly impossible. It's I nearly impossible like. anyway, right? But then what they can also do is this. And if I'm completely wrong about this, guys, please let me know. Um, but what they can do, let's say Netflix decides, okay, that's the deal. Okay. But we really don't want to pay. We really don't want to pay these actors all this money. So let's put your, let's put the show up on September 1st, but let's not really publicize it a lot until, I don't know, October 15th. And that gives you two weeks, you know, and you really publicize it, you know, push it, you know, put it on the, you know, your banner headline on when you go to Netflix, you know, for two weeks. And then you get to November 1st and like, oh guys, you know, damn it, you didn't make that, you didn't get the 90%, sorry, no residuals. It's absurd. Yeah. That's so that was really upsetting to me. Yeah. You know, absolutely. and they put this money into an account which SAG is gonna use for what? So that they can, you know, decorate their new office building. I don't know, I'm angry and resentful. <laughs> yeah, understandably. Um okay, I wanna pivot a little bit, Michael. So okay. you created your own show. Correct. Remind me the title. It's called Child of the Seventies. Okay, Child yes. of the Seventies. Right. Can you talk to us about how all of that came to fruition? Sure. Um, it was uh, it was one of those periods of time, one of those years that where I wasn't working a whole lot, so I had a lot of free time, and I had this idea in my head for a sitcom, and so I just started to write it. I asked a friend to join me. We sort of sat around and wrote it together. Uh, and so 
really was just like we wrote this thing. We wrote the first season of a sitcom, this idea that I had in my head for a sitcom. And, and I loved it so much that I, after it was written, then I couldn't just like let it sit in a drawer somewhere. I felt like I had to do something with mm -hmm. this. And I, and this was right around the time when web series was sort of becoming a thing. Yeah, it's 2012, right? I wanna say, I might've even, was it 2012? It might've even, I've started probably a couple years before that because oh, obviously okay, it took okay. a while, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So, uh, so then I decided to do a, I think I did a, not Kickstarter, what's the other one? Um, is it the like the film not a, version? Not a GoFundMe. I can't remember. What, uh, crowdfunding. I did some crowd. I crowd. Yeah. I did a crowdfunding thing. Whatever mm -hmm. it was. It wasn't Kickstarter. It was the other one. Um, so, and somehow miraculously, I was able to reach my goal, the goal that we had for to do this one season. And so then I, uh, I cast it with a lot of all of my friends. Yeah. But I also did this thing, which I thought was, for me, was super fun. It's called Child of the Seventies, and it is, uh, it, it, it's kind of, it's kind of written like a nineteen seventies sitcom, and uh, and I, I stole a lot from a lot of my favorite nineteen seventies sitcoms, and um, and what I decided to do, which turned out to be an amazing thing, was I tried, I, I went out and I got a bunch of uh, actors who were in popular 1970s sitcoms. Nobody will know who these people are now, but uh, I got people from like Laverne and Shirley and from The Love Boat and um, Ted Landris from The Love Boat. And I got this woman, Donna Pescal, who was in the movie Saturday Night Fever and she was on a TV series called Angie. I got all of these people uh, from 70s sitcoms yeah. to come do this show. And it was surprisingly easy everybody always asks like well how did you get I was gonna ask that how did yeah. you get all these people ted lange for instance plays uh he played isaac the bartender on the love boat for a million years uh, very popular show you know was on television for like 12 years or something like that wow. very popular actor how do you get all these people and i literally just called them i just went on to imdb pro and i called i found got numbers for people and i just yeah. called and said hey i'm doing this show it's very little money uh, but I think you're awesome. I love you so much, and I, I, I've written this part. I think it's great, uh, and and almost everybody said yes. Wow! It's just because you know people want to work. Yeah. People want to have fun, you know. And it was and so then so we did a first season, and then I was like, well, I guess we have to do more. So then we did a second season, and then we did a third season, and it, every season got bigger and bigger and bigger, and more and more ambitious. Like by the third season, we had like we had like full on like major cameras and sound and lighting yeah. and like we had like forty it actors. Great, yeah. It got better and better every season, and uh, and it got more ambitious. The storylines got bigger. We got Susan Olsen who played Cindy Brady on The Brady Bunch. Oh my like gosh. you know, she did a bunch of seasons. Yeah. Uh, comedians Judy Tenuta was on it. Bruce Valange was on it. Like we got all these amazing people, and so we ended up doing five seasons of that. Yeah, and then at some point in there. I don't remember exactly, I can't remember exactly when it was, but we ended up selling it to Amazon. Okay. So that's where- It's it on be. Prime now, It's on right? Prime now, okay, yes. Cool. Amazon Prime, it's called Child of the 70s. We did five seasons of it. Um, and you know, the episodes range from, some of them are like eight minutes long, some of them are 28 minutes long. We just did whatever we sort of felt like doing. Yeah. Uh, again, we had amazing people 
and uh, I'm super, super proud of it. And it, and again, it was one of those things where I didn't know anything. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Like no idea what I was doing at all. But I kind of my whole thing has always been like, well, if you don't know how to do it, just figure it out. That's like kind of our business in general, because there are no rules for anything creative, and people especially like to now. pretend there is. But yeah, there's really not. And if you try to think through, like, oh my, okay, so how am I gonna make a show? How am I gonna get funding for it? How am I gonna like? If you just sit there and think about all the details, you kind of just have to start and like figure out as you go. And you um, know what? And you do one thing at a time. Yeah. I wrote it. Yeah. Okay, that's done. Okay, so now what do I have to do? Oh, now I have to raise money. So I raised money. Mm -hmm. That's done. Oh, so now I have to find a crew. Okay, how do you do that? You ask around, you get a crew. Yeah. And then, oh, you find a location. Oh, okay, I gotta do that. And then, you know what? The doing of it then makes it easier to do. Yeah. Right? You right. know, the more time. you do something, the easier it gets. Yeah. And so by season five, we, again, it was this, we had a huge crew mm -hmm. and we were having catering and it was like a whole big thing. Okay. And, you know, and, and we had like these great editors and so it became a huge thing. And it was all just because like, I really had some free time I wanted to do something and I wanted to have some fun with my friends yeah turn into this great thing where was it airing before Amazon Prime it was on it's on a, it was on a bunch of different uh services but mostly just okay. on YouTube oh okay I cool. just originally put it up on YouTube cool yeah and can I ask now that yes. it's on Amazon Prime yes. do you get like residuals or anything like that my my deal with Prime was they just gave me a flat fee they just okay. bought it outright they bought the you know because by then I think we had we must have either we had the whole five seasons or we were maybe f in the middle of shooting the five se the fifth season so i think they just bought they just paid me a, a fee and they just bought the whole thing yeah when that happens did you have to remove it all from youtube and everything like that like it's officially amazon's now or no, no. oh really okay no they they have these uh, non-exclusive contracts cool so yeah it can be on as many platforms as i want to put it on yeah and then in terms of funding, so you like raised money for the first season. Yeah. Did you end up making money back from the show or how does that work? I think I project? I think I never made a profit, to okay. be honest with okay. you. I always uh, uh, made enough money through crowdfunding. And, but I also, I think by, se by the time we did season three, we had sponsors. Oh, cool. Because that was the other thing I thought, like, you know, because crowdfunding is hard. Yeah, it's right? a lot of work. That's what, I've never done it, but I hear from people. And, and once you get like once you get all your friends and your family to give you money, it's hard for them. It's hard for you to get them to do it a second time, yeah. and then a third time. It's like people are like, oh my god, stop. Yeah. So, so I just I went out again. Something I had no idea what to do. I went out and found sponsors. So like okay. for instance, I got on my phone, and uh, I looked up uh, vodka companies. I said, hey, and I and I just wrote to wrote DMs to people yeah. saying, hey, listen, I have the show. These are the numbers. You know, this is how many people watch. This is the demographic. Um, would you be interested in sponsoring? So, like for instance, the first one I got was a, a vodka company, and they sent us money. They sent us cases of vodka, which was fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, we did like product cool. placement. We we placed okay. bottles of vodka so in every cool. scene. You know, we had all of our characters all of a sudden become alcoholics or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. drank all of them. Uh, and then I did it with another company, and then I did it with okay, another company. And so again, you just sort of figure stuff out. Yeah. So I did. I the only time there was a profit was when Amazon bought it. Um, okay. But yeah. Cool, interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Too. And I wasn't—I don't know that I went into it 
thinking that this was going to be a money making proposition. Oh yeah, no, I'm sure. I went into it just to do something fun and creative. And yeah. I think it is nice though when you create stuff, if it doesn't cost you something in the end, like if you at least break even, I feel like that's a pretty successful project. Um, and even if you do lose something, but yeah. And even I, because they were my friends, so I, most of the people yeah. were my friends yeah. when there were times when I was like, listen, I don't know, I can't, we don't just don't have enough money in the budget. And, and most people were like, who cares to get it? Let's just shoot it. Yeah. You know, make it work. Yeah. Um, Okay, what is your advice for anybody who wants to create their own show or kind of do what you did? Uh, my advice would be to um, uh, love it. Okay. <laughs> That's the most important thing. Yeah. Love whatever it is that you're doing. If you're, if you're not in love with what you've written or what you are creating, don't do it. Yeah. It's too hard to to do if you don't, if you are not fully, madly, deeply in love with it. Yeah. Right? Um, like, I ended up doing this because I really felt the need to do it. I, I had to do it. I had to get, get this system. out of my yeah. body and out of my head and onto, yeah. onto a page and then onto a screen. Like, yeah. Um, and I loved it as, as hard as it was and it was hard and it was frustrating at, th throughout much of it, but I loved every second of it. So, yeah. so that's, that's to me the most important thing. And like I just said, also, um, don't worry if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Figure it out as you go. Figure it out. Ask questions. Mm -hmm. I'm a big, uh, I'm never ashamed to ask questions mm -hmm. or I'm never ashamed to admit that I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yes. I'm like that too. That's again, part of the reason I started this podcast yeah. is because like as creatives, do any of us know what we're doing? Uh, I'm like, we all just learn from pulling little bits from everybody. So pulling, none of us I, know I, what I we're steal. Doing. <laughs> okay. I know. <laughs> and I steal things from people. Like, Hey, can I steal that? Right. I mean, uh, yeah. So I, so I always ask no, questions. Right. Yeah. And I'm I'm always willing to like stand back, and if somebody has a better idea, like I think you, I think just in this business anyway, I think you have to be a collaborator. Yeah. If you're if you're all bent out of shape, when people, you know, come in with different ideas, you're gonna have a hard time. Mm -hmm. I'm really good about working with other people, yes. collaborating with, yeah. taking ideas, asking. This is my idea. What do you think? Do you think this is shit? Or do you think like this could be funny? Is this interesting to you? Like, what do you think? Oh, really? This works? That doesn't work? Oh, tell me why it doesn't work. I'm really, I'm really good about that. I enjoy that part. Yeah. Um, so, so that, I would also say that. I would, I would say be persistent. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, at every step of the way, I was like, oh God, I should just stop this shit. This is crazy. God, why am I, ah, I gotta, but, but then I realized, no, 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 keep going, don't stop, it's going to pay off, and it yeah. ultimately did, yeah. um, uh, and be consistent about, uh, who you are, and I always think pe uh, treating people nice is the, <laughs> is a really good way, uh, to, uh, to do stuff, yeah. if you treat people nice, if you buy pizza and give people pizza, people will do all kinds of shit for you. Um, it's true. So, I mean, I guess those are the things I would say to somebody. That's the advice I would, I would give. Yeah. Um, write, again, especially if you're a writer, write what you love and write what you want to see. Yeah. No, I think that is good advice because I think sometimes 
especially in today's society, there can feel like a pressure that like you need to create something and like make a project. But you're right. Don't just make a project to make a project. Make sure you love it because, yeah, yeah. like you said, it is so difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, never do that just because. Yeah, yes, we're all forced at, right now, especially we're all feeling forced to like, oh my god, I have to be a content creator. Yeah, I have to, be, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. you know, I'm like this on TikTok and Instagram. I'm like, oh god, do I want to do another TikTok? Content. No, I know, yeah. I know. Because I, mean, I feel like I have to. I, have to, I, have to I know, yeah. It's like your personal brand, the user-generated content, the uh, brand deals. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. all of it. I'm all like, that stuff. Oh, and so, so now, I yeah, I would just yeah do do it because you have this unwavering need to get it out of your body. Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. That's so good. Um, can we talk a little bit about your work on children's projects? Because you've done quite a few different, like, um, were you on Disney or did I make that up? Did you have a credit from Disney Channel or no? I might have to edit this out. Uh, <laughs> no. Okay. But you did do a lot of children's work. Do you mind chatting about that a little bit? The, did I? The YouTube shows. Oh, we mm -hmm. can absolutely chat okay. about that stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, sure. I didn't know what you meant. Um, that was less children, more sort of demonic. That okay, was that was enough. that was work for demons. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> How did you can... fall into that world? Because I feel like one of the projects you're most known for. Yes. As I was looking, you we up, can talk about um, it. Yes, we can say there were a lot of yes. fandom stuff yes. and things yes. like that with Michael. So I'm curious, like. How you fell into that world what that has done for your acting journey if you recommend doing that sort of YouTube stuff etc etc right so I want to say this was um, I don't uh, I'm trying to think of what year it was when I started doing work on a YouTube channel called Darman that was the first one um, and it was a I believe at the when I first started with him it was a popular YouTube channel, but nothing like what it eventually ended up becoming. Mm -hmm. We were shooting these videos. Oh, you know what? Uh, we should think about this for a second because I don't want him to come after you. Oh, I can always edit this out, actually. Okay. Yeah. We don't okay. even have to. I'll edit out the title. We don't even have to say that. It okay, was we won't show. say his name. Yeah. Um, Connor, but... delete the Darman. It's a YouTube channel. <laughs> just, just bleep it. Just go. Bleep. Yeah, actually. Yes. Yeah. We'll yeah, that. because I, I want to tell the story, but yeah beep his name because he has he got, he's come after people he got my tiktok oh. account taken down at one point yeah he came after me for copyright infringement which was such bullshit but anyway uh so i started working for him and it was uh it was or these little videos for youtube they were really short you know they were like five minutes eight minutes something like that it's usually like some sort of little morality thing like and i was from the very beginning from the very first one i was always the bad guy i was always the homophobe or the racist or the islamophobe or the you know i would um criticize women for their you know for their weight or i would criticize people you know i would say call people ugly or you know all the time i was always that guy yeah that was my thing he will always cast me like that and so then I think it was during the pandemic where he seemed to really take off. We were shooting videos first in just his apartment. You know, one camera, mm -hmm. one guy with a little mic. Yeah. And we were just shooting in his apartment. Yeah. And then and then it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more views and more and more views. And apparently you can make a shit ton of money on YouTube, um, which he did. Mm -hmm. And so then, so then he ended up buying a studio, uh, a soundstage, creating a movie out in out in Burbank 
the movie comes later, yeah. Um, and so, so we did that for a couple more years, and it got huge. And and he just became like a um, uh, like a multi multi millionaire. Yeah. He bought a Kardashian house or something for like sixteen million dollars or some nonsense, you know. And would come to you know come to the studio every day in a different you know Lamborghini or what's the what's the most expensive car in the world? I'm all about what's it called? I don't know. Oh, there's some right in the Connor. comments. What? Yeah, Connor. Connor. Connor, what's the look up what the most expensive car in the world? I can't remember. What, I think it starts with an M. I can't remember. But so, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, so there were the he would show up at different cars and so and then uh but then he created more channels. There was a behind the scenes channel and there was a yeah. there was a the, he had a channel with him and his girlfriend and their kids. Like like it was a whole this huge, 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 huge thing. And so then, yeah, of course, then you get a ton of followers on, on the TikTok and on the Instagram and all that stuff. Every time I would go to the Grove, I'd be assaulted by, you know, 90, you know, 13-year-old uh, girls yeah. and stuff like that. Does it still happen yeah. sometimes? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes, this all ended about a year ago. Mm -hmm. This is, uh, we just turned to 2024. So the beginning of 2023 or the end of 2022, something like that. A bunch of us there finally decided that that he had, you know, his... His um, uh, his income had skyrocketed, yeah. and 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 we had sort of never followed suit, meaning like we had never gotten a raise. Uh, there were there were things about it that were that we were starting to feel like were were completely unfair, mm -hmm. and so we, a group of us, got together and said, "Hey, listen, we would love to have a meeting with you." Um, and, and discuss these things because we feel like um, there are things that can easily be fixed um, which would make everybody happy which would not hurt your you know your bottom line in any way we weren't interested in you know gouging him yeah. uh, or anything like that yeah. uh, we're just interested in getting a, a, a more fair share yeah and especially because a lot of his success was based on the work that we were doing. Yeah, their faces, like you guys were in so many episodes. I think your IMDb says you were in like 40 something episodes. Oh, more than that, I'm sure. Um, more yeah. than that, I just, a whole bunch of them didn't even end up on okay. IMDb, I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, for years I was there, like yeah, constantly, you know, and there are people who, who did even way more than me, like who did like just hundreds and hundreds of them. Like, yeah. And so, I mean, the ending of that story was that he decided to not meet with us he decided mm -hmm. to not listen to any of our you know thoughts or suggestions or concerns yeah. and there weren't even demands we were more than willing to go in and negotiate and, and work through you know work things out so so yeah so a bunch of us ended up leaving there and there are other channels like this as well uh i do a bunch of things for uh there's a, a channel called supermission there's a channel called oh, Totally Studios, mm -hmm. which Sarah works on. Yeah, I've done Totally Studios oh, you did? before, too. Yeah, you have? Just once or twice. Mm -hmm. Got it. Before they moved to San Diego. But... Got it. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, see, I've been dragging my ass down to San oh, Diego. Really? Yeah, to do those jobs. So anyway, um, so there are a bunch of other YouTube channels out there like this. And now there's a new one that I work for. It's called uh, Think About It, uh, which just started. Like They just up uploaded their, um, their first or second one recently uh but yes with the with the darman who we're gonna go beep beep mm -hmm. um we did a, we did a, a christmas movie for him that was the big movie that's when all the shit hit the fan <laughs> when we did the big christmas movie mm -hmm. yeah um and i you know what the truth is it, it was unfortunate 
the way it all sort of ended because I had a lot of friends there. Yeah. And um, uh, I enjoyed it, you know, for what it was. It was always a fun thing to do. Yeah. If I had free, you know, if I was free and I was available, I was always more than happy to do yeah. it. You know, so it was unfortunate that it kind of ended poorly. Yeah. But I think he's still out there. He's still doing it. Yeah. That's fine, you know. Yeah. One thing leads to another. Yeah. Um, okay, my last thing for you, again, if you're comfortable talking about this, yes. um, your, that event that happened in your life that was very big with your husband, Got can it. you talk oh, yes. a little bit about that and sure. how that maybe affected you as an actor or, cause that's such a big thing. And I feel like, I don't know, just especially as actors, since we're our businesses, I'm sure that that affected you all areas of your life. Are you comfortable chatting of about course. that? Of course. Yeah, it? yeah, okay. of course. No, because it was a, um, certainly it was a life-changing experience. Yeah. Um, so th there's a backstory, which is that I was, um, uh, I had a, um, uh, I, I had been in a, in a long-term relationship. Yeah. And we broke up, um, like very long-term relationship. And then if you have ever had this experience where you've been in a relationship and you end it, it's bro you broke up, whatever. Yeah. Like, what I tend to do is like I tend to uh, just kind of like sit in, in my misery for a while. I like okay. to wallow in it. I'm like one of those people. Super healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> I like to like um, yeah. you know pain. listen to like sad yeah. music. You know, like if it were today, I'd listen to nothing but Billie Eilish. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, and just like cry and just be miserable. So I was in that. I was in that space mm -hmm. and I think I had done something really crazy like you know I typed in something like uh sad poems <laughs> you know I just I was reading sad poems you know just being miserable and so I found a poem and but it, which was not sad at all it was actually really beautiful I fell in love with this poem uh and uh but it was on some random site I don't rem remember at all, and I didn't know who the author was, or whatever. So I, um, but I loved the poem so much that I, I printed it out. Uh, I printed it out on a little piece of paper and I folded it up and I put it in my wallet because I think, oh, I love this poem so much. It's like my favorite poem and I want to keep it with me. So anyway, years later, I was out on a date with this guy and we're sitting there having dinner, and he said, uh, "You know, you, you talk, you tell, oh, yeah. this is, you talk about yourself." Yeah. Um, and he said that he wrote poetry, and I was like, "You do? Oh my God, that's so funny!" Because I carry my favorite poem around with me, and I took out my wallet, and I took it out, and I unfolded, and I handed this. This is my favorite poem. Tell me what you think of this. And he looked at it. And he goes, "Is this a joke?" And I said, "No. Why?" He said, "Because I wrote this." So I had been, I had, he, his poem had been in my wallet for like five or six years. And I mean, at that point, the date was going great anyway, but like at that point we were like basically inseparable. Um, so, uh, then again, long story short, we got married uh, eventually, we got married, uh, but then unfortunately he got sick and he, he died. He had stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, and so, what as far as like being an actor how this relates to me as an actor yeah i 
grew up in the Bronx and and as a gay kid in the Bronx or anywhere maybe I don't know you it was you had to put up a front yeah you had to front like and it was so you are just taught or you teach yourself you know to be tough yeah like you fight yeah. you know I was good at you know uh, arguments and I was good at you know verbally like you know killing somebody and you know and sometimes you have to get into a fight like a physical fight which I did when I was a kid um, and so that so that was my whole sort of demeanor that was my whole sort of the wall that I had up which was and it's lasted well into adulthood where I was like yeah fuck you you know that was my whole thing okay you know that was my that was the way I dealt with the world mm -hmm. until this experience happened my husband when he died um, I was actually I had um, a, a moment with him when uh, when he was in a coma in the very last few days and we knew he was going to die and like like 15 minutes or something before like the cardiologist was looking at his heart and whatever they're like it's gonna happen like it's gonna happen like like now it's gonna happen so so everybody all the doctors the nurses everybody they left the room he was in the ICU and I you know I I'll never forget this one of the nurses this amazing nurse said to me listen talk to him because he can still sort of hear you in there like it's still like even though he's in a coma it's still registering somewhere okay so I got it I literally got into bed with him I crawled into bed and I held him and I for like 15 minutes I talked to him you know I told him how I was feeling and told him not to be scared and it's gonna be okay and I'm gonna be okay and you're gonna be okay and you're going on a great adventure um, and so and then and then he died as I was holding him and what that did for me was that it literally um, it 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 literally it didn't just break the walls that I had put up my entire life it exploded them in a way that um, I whereas before in life my my go-to emotion was always anger and was always like let's get into a fight about this now I feel like my sadness and and grief and all the other everything all of my emotions I was a person who pushed the, this is how I say it I was I would push all of my emotions down and now my emotions are right on the surface so which made me a more compassionate person which made me a more empathetic person and I realized that everybody has a story yeah. like every time you bump into anybody in the Whole Foods or wherever you are on the street and if you're some idiot cuts you off everybody has a story we none of us knows I have no idea what's going on in your life today yeah. right so you have to treat everybody nicely you have to treat everybody with compassion and empathy and as an actor it made accessing my emotions just like it's all there now so I I just feel like as an actor I, I if I'm doing a scene an, an emotional scene like it's all just so incredibly easily accessible now it just changed my whole view of the world yeah that was a lot for no for no question, that, but... um, yeah no that absolutely makes sense um, 
Do you have any advice for actors who are maybe going through something really traumatic in their life? Maybe they just had a death of a loved one or they're grieving or what is some advice to those people? Grief is a really interesting thing. After after he died, his name was Antonio. After he died, uh, I went into grief therapy, okay. which was very specific and it was grief group therapy. So what it, specifically what it was there, I think there were eight of us in the group and all of our spouses had died like right around the same time, like within like a month or two of each other. Did somebody recommend that for you? I'm curious, yes. or did you take the initiative no, to do No, somebody recommended that to me, okay. yes. Um, and so, so we all went through the process together. But what was interesting is that, one of the many things that was interesting was that um, everybody deals with grief differently. Yeah. My thing was like, all I wanted to do was talk about it. I'm no, like for instance, to give you an example, my friends would all be, would try to distract me in the beginning you know oh let's go oh, come on I'll come over and I'll take you out and we'll go to dinner and you know blah 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 we'll do this and we'll do that and we don't have to talk about it and I was like no I want to talk about it that was my way of like again like getting it out it had yeah. to get out of my body it had okay. to, I wanted to talk about it yeah. other people don't want to talk about it yeah. um other people uh you know, people laugh about it, people cry about it, people, you know, it, yeah. it runs the gamut. So I guess as far as advice goes, I think I would just tell people to try to be as authentic to yourself as possible. Yeah. Meaning like yeah. whatever is comfortable for you, do it. Well, comfortable is not the right word because sometimes you have to be uncomfortable. Mm. And I think I, I guess if I were telling anybody anything, I would say to just to um, uh, to deal with it. Meaning, like, don't don't pretend like it didn't happen. Don't uh, don't like you know brush it under the rug, whatever they say. Um, I think this is about fear as well, grief and fear. Um, walk through it, feel it. Yeah. It's gonna be ugly. It's gonna be uncomfortable. It, and it maybe two weeks, maybe two years, maybe five years, whatever it yeah. is. I would just, the choice that I've made, and this is, I think a healthy choice, is to just walk through it and feel it until it's done. And it's really never done, but like, it, it for me, grief then became sort of, um, it's sort of just a, a, a small part of the fabric of my life or the, of who yeah. I am as a person, it's a piece. Again, yeah. that's very easily accessible now to me. Um, so it just becomes a part of you. And I think the same thing with fear and in our business, you know, everything is fear-based, right? And so I would just say like, don't allow it to shut you down. Mm, yeah. Walk through it, feel it, deal with it. It's, it's part of, who we are as creatives and I think that that's how we should attack anything really is to is to look it in the eye face it and deal with it head, and on. Deal with it head, deal with it head on and be authentic about it yeah was that no yeah no I love that I think that yeah instead of like shoving it down or maybe pretending it didn't happen which deal with never it helps I think it doesn't because it always comes out it's like that with any emotion you can try to shove it down but it'll come out in other areas of your life so and, it, and when it comes out in other areas then it becomes self-destructive yeah which nobody wants that yeah mm -mm. 
No, thank you for sharing that. Of course. Um, okay, so our last segment, I know this is kind of a funky little <laughs> funky little move on from that note, right. but it's our last segment we always do is our Fast Frisbee 5. So these are just five rapid five. fire questions okay. right. that require a lot of thought. So that's the gist. They do require? They do, but they're, okay. they're rapid fire. So what's your favorite quote, Michael? That's that doesn't require any thought at all because okay. I know it. Okay, good. I actually have it tattooed on my body. Okay. My favorite quote is uh, from Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. He was an author. He wrote some plays. His name is William Shakespeare. You look him up. Mm -hmm. None of the actors know who Shakespeare no, is. No, no, Michael. no. Um, <laughs> he wrote one of the plays that he wrote. Uh, I think there are thirty-three plays. I think, but one of them is called Hamlet. Uh, and uh, it's this is from uh, Hamlet, Act Two, Scene Two, and I have it tattooed on my arm, which is, "There is nothing, either good or bad, but thinking makes it so." Hmm. I don't know. I've not ever actually heard that. Which essentially means that uh, the, anything you you are the one who puts judgment on yeah. things. You the, are the one who decides if this is a positive yeah. experience or a negative experience. Even like just what we were talking about, yeah. just like the death yeah. of somebody super close to you. I don't want to use the word positive, but there are things about it ultimately that made me a better person because of that experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm a big believer that if you can't like change a situation, you need to change your outlook on the situation. 100%. Um, and so, yeah, no, I love that. What is something in LA not a lot of people know about that you love? Uh, there's a Thai restaurant uh, called Chuan Chim, uh, and uh, it is this tiny little hole in the wall on, uh, I think it's on Sunset, Chuan, C-H-U-A-N-C-H-I-M, Chuan Chim. Uh, it has the best Tam Kakai soup in the world, and it's like this tiny little place in the hole, and any time I've ever been there, it's amazing that it's still there because it's like empty. empty. Um, but it is amazing, and I've been I've been to um, Asia, and uh, I'm telling you, oh, good, Chuan Chim, Los Chuan Angeles, Chim. Thai food. <laughs> what is your favorite line in a movie, Michael? Shit, um, it's uh, it's from um, there's a, a film director named Woody Allen, and. Uh, he did a movie called Annie Hall, and I'm gonna screw up this quote, but he tells this joke, uh, and it goes something like this. There are these two old women sitting there um, having uh, dinner, and one woman says to the other woman something like, ugh, this food is terrible, It's just it tastes so awful. And the other woman looks at her and goes, yeah, and the portions are so small. That to me is like an absolutely hysterical line. Uh <laughs> yeah, oxymoron. That's funny. Pickles, yay or nay? Yay. Okay. 100%. People feel strongly about pickles. Do they? People say no? People say yeah. nay to pickles? Yeah. I want to meet you, pickle, no pickle people. I want to talk to these people. This is not right. I'm from the Bronx. You eat pickles. You're passionate about pickles. I'm totally passionate. We should, I'm going to start an Instagram page. What is the recent obsession of yours, Michael? Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to admit this. Um, but uh, 
There is this genre of television in Asia. Okay. Uh, specifically uh, Thailand and Korea. Okay. Uh, it's a type of television show. It's called BL. Okay. Which stands for Boy Loves. Okay. The craziest thing I happened upon, like, totally randomly, right? But then I found out that they're, like, it's not just, it's a television, they're, I found this one television series, and it's about this guy who's a mafia boss in Thailand, in Bangkok, um, who falls in love with his bodyguard, right? And it was, it was fascinating. Like, I, some, and I, I found a little clip of it, and I was like, oh my god, I have to watch this. And so I found the show, and I, and I, I watched the whole series. And then I found out that there was another, there was another series. Oh, and there's another series. There are like hundreds of them, hundreds of them, and all about guys who fall in love with other guys. Interesting. It, like, it, like, and it's not like it's not like things that we have here where it's like it's a problem. Like you know, the guys come home and say, "Mom, I'm you know, Mom, Dad, I'm gay." Uh, yeah. And the mother and father freak out. You right. know, oh my God. Yeah. You know, it's none of that. Okay. It's literally it's like a love story. They're just love stories, but they're all guys. Okay. No, I and, love that. And yeah, and there are. I'm telling you, there are so many of them. In Korea and Thailand, that. and they have this this whole genre. It's called BL Boy Love Series. Interesting. Crazy. And now now I like I'm obsessed. I literally am, I try to find more and more and more. You just listen to them dubbed or like subtitles or something. They usually they have subtitles. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, cool. I wonder if BL will make its ways in America. I mean, I'm telling you. Uh, I mean, and then when you when you find the the their pages on like Instagram and TikTok and stuff like that, they do have like millions of fans. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So it's an up and coming thing. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing that I had never, I, I couldn't even imagine. I was like, what? Yeah. Hmm. All right. Any last words for our acting like an actor viewers, Michael? Uh, yeah. Don't, uh, like I said earlier, don't, this is what I tell everybody. Uh, don't get into this business unless you absolutely have to. Right? Yeah. Again, that like urge, that love inside of you. Theory. Unless yeah. you absolutely, if there's anything else that you love and can do, do it because this is a hard life. However, I couldn't imagine anything more rewarding. So if you have yeah. to do it, do it. And if you have to do it, do it, and don't ever give up. Don't yeah. ever give up. That's, that's more important. Mm -hmm. Don't ever give up. I, the reason why I feel like I've lasted this long is because I always had this this horrible fear that the day I gave up, the day I decide, if I decide like one day, you know what, I've had enough. I have absolutely had enough of this struggle. I'm leaving, I'm gonna move somewhere warm and I'm gonna live on a beach somewhere. The next day is the day that the big job was gonna come in. And I will always live with that in the back of my yeah. head. Yeah, I have something similar, you're right. And it's true, like, if you stick it out, you don't really give yourself another option. You know what I mean? Like if you stick it out in this business and you're consistent with it, like I don't, sometimes people are like, well, what's your backup plan? Or like, what? I don't have one. I'm just, this is it for me, man. Like I'm sticking with it and it's all going to work out because there's no other options. So. I 100% agree um, with you. That was one of those things they all said to you. Like when we were kids and in high school, performing arts, they're like, you know, yeah. have a, have a backup plan, have a plan B. 
Nope. No, thank you. Yeah. Uh-uh. Nope. Um, I don't want another skill. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you've done a, a good job, too, of, like, um, you kind of have to keep yourself busy as well. Like, as you're waiting for things to happen, you have to start your own shows and do random gigs and just kind of fall in love with that part of the actor life, which uh, I think you've done a really good job Thanks, of yeah. doing. But, um, yeah. All right. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you.